What is up, everybody? Welcome back to First Down Rundown. We are your two hosts. I'm Hayden Vozar. He's Matt Vozar. Today is Saturday, February 26th. We're rounding out February here, getting into March, which means March Madness is coming up real soon. I, I think Selection Sunday is two weeks from now, two or three. So, so that's really exciting there. Of course, we've got some college basketball today, and then we've also got some NBA talk about the All-Star weekend and All-Star game and everything like that. And then we've got some PGA talk as well with some Phil Mickelson action mixed in there. If you guys haven't heard the whole scoop on Phil Mickelson, we will give you that scoop. And then we'll kind of talk about um, the the Super Golf League, which he was also kind of involved with um, throughout his little tenure here, I guess. Um, but yeah, we, uh, we've got three topics for today and then we might have a little fun segment at the end. We might have some kind of, I don't know, just some kind of open discussion at the end about something a little more a little more laid back but as you know these saturday episodes are in general more laid back so so we're just gonna have fun with with it today matt how are you yeah time is flying man i mean seriously i it it feels like and we talked about it on pods before too like we've been trying to pay more attention to college basketball during the regular season because i think that's one of the kind of the, the hallmarks of college basketball in general is that like really you people only pay attention to march madness because that's the biggest spectacle. It's, you know, so crazy, so fun, yeah. so much happens. It's, it's, you get everyone involved, making a bracket, all that. Um, but I think that the regular season kind of gets lost in all that. And I mean, not to go too far into this, but the whole college football scenario where like now they have a playoff, you know, and we're going to move it to 12 teams and whatever. It's like you kind of want the more teams that you add to a bracket style playoff kind of championship deciding uh, format the less that the regular season means. And I think that's kind of the, that's at least for, for college football. Again, we're not trying to talk about college football too much, but like for college football, that's kind of the argument is like for, you know, for these schools who the regular season is, is it matters so much because there's only 12 games in the regular season. Whereas like college basketball, like, yeah, sure. The regular season doesn't matter. And they play 30 something games. So it's like, you know, at some point you're going to catch a game here and there, you're going to see some crazy stats. You're going to see some crazy plays, but like, you know, by and large, I think that it really does get passed up and that March Madness kind of matters the most. Um, so obviously we prioritize March Madness because, yeah, why wouldn't we like March Madness does matter the most. So we we definitely want to be here for it. But but I think that that's kind of the cool part about or well not necessarily cool, but just interesting, I think, is that um, kind of in the media coverage and everything else, like we, we realize that college basketball is happening, but like basically the season's over. Like most teams only have two games left. Then you're playing your conference tournaments and then you, you know, March Madness starts. And I think so just in general though, um, it just seems like time has passed so quickly. So, so we got to get in this stuff and, and time passes quickly, even in terms of the NBA all-star game, which like we pretty much just completely neglected yeah. to mention last Tuesday episode, which is like the weekend or the, you know, the, the episode after the all-star weekend, um, you know, we had a whole LeBron segment, talking about the Lakers and just didn't even talk about NBA all-star weekend. So the time is passing us by, but Hayden and I are here on the first down rundown podcast to give you all of the information regardless of when it happens and and just you know keep you updated with everything we possibly can yeah that was that was kind of bad on us for not even really mentioning anything about all nba all-star weekend but again we'll have that today for you guys i'm sure that a lot of you probably have the same thoughts on it that we do but we're just going to kind of share our thoughts and and get into that second but first we've got college basketball so we're going to have a little topic here on Providence. And I, I kind of 
have like I've hinted to, towards Providence being a little bit faulty in the past and previous episodes, but right now, as of now, they're they're ranked number eleven in the country. And yes, their record backs up their position in the rankings because I think they're twenty one and four or twenty one twenty two and three or something like that. Um, so they have a really good record. I mean, they they haven't lost to many teams. They've lost to uh, they've lost to Villanova and then I think Rutgers and one other team. Um, but like I said, two of their, like the losses that weren't Villanova were by more than 20, at least 20 points, both of them. And it was just, it was just really surprising to see that even if you're, t- even if you're playing a team at home or the other team is at home is what I'm trying to say. Even if you're in that situation, like you shouldn't be losing by 20. I mean, yeah, a loss when you're playing away is fine because that's what happens in college basketball. Momentum is a huge thing. Hope corner advantage is a huge, it is a huge thing, but the, like the premise of the argument here is that this is not like those two losses aren't, aren't Providence's only kind of shaky spots in their schedule. Right. So I'm just going to kind of give you some, some games here that they've looked a little bit faulty in now on, I think it was, yeah, it was against Xavier on Wednesday. So they played Xavier and I think they went into three overtimes and they finally won by six, but they were at home and like Xavier's pretty good. Xavier's one of those teams that sometimes can make, I think they had a, a big tournament run kind of a long time ago, but they, I mean, recently they haven't really been all that great. And it, it's just like, it's just big East opponents that they just can't, they can't compete against like at all. It's, it makes no sense. Um, they, they beat, they were at Butler before that game. So on last Sunday, they were at Butler. They won by one there. Yeah, they were away, but they still only won by one. Um, they did hold up against Villanova pretty well. They, they only lost by five to Villanova last Tuesday. But like the game before that, they were at home against DePaul and they only beat him by three. And it's just, it, I don't know. It's just a team that, a, a team like Providence that, has a good, co- I forget what their coach's name is, but he's been coaching there for a really long time and he's really built up that program. Yeah. Matt's kind of wincing here. I don't Dude, I know it. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's like really recognizable too. Yeah. He, I don't know, but uh, I'll let Matt think on that, but yeah. So like they built up a, a, a great program and it's just, it's weird to see them have, you know, such, such a good ranking and such a good record, but they're like the way that they get the, that record and the way that they get those wins is a little bit, shaky and it, it isn't really it isn't really like real like the you know the top 10 teams that we see that blow out opponents that aren't ranked by like 20 points every game so it's just it's it's a little bit faulty here and I'm gonna get Matt's thoughts here on it like you know Matt what do you think about Providence do you I mean you may have a different opinion than me you may think that this is kind of normal and that they may be able to make a big, a big run in the NCAA tournament and maybe even a big run in the big East tournament. So kind of, you know, what do you think here? Yeah, I'm probably going to disagree with you, honestly. Like I think, and and I understand your point is that, you know, essentially, right. If they're going to be a top, if you're going to be a top 10 team, you should be beating your opponents, you know, consistently and, and, and handily, right? So, you know, winning by a lot, um, especially like Hayden said, you know, like when you're at home, you, you know, you have, you got to win those games. So there's that. All right. But my thing is showing that you can consistently win because they've been winning these games, right? So it's, it's not like they've been losing, you know, every other game and it's like, oh, this team's so great. And they blow out their opponents and they lose the next game. No, they've, they've won all of, you know, almost all their big East games. Um, and, and they, they yeah, like it, it, it looks weird when they're kind of playing and it always ends up in a close game and it's, it's close games against teams that really aren't even that good to begin with. But like, I think that 
winning like that, winning in that type of manner shows your resiliency and your ability to just win games that are going to get a little bit crazy. And you know what? What games are the most crazy? March Madness games. All right. So that's kind of my argument here is like, yeah, they haven't looked convincing, but at the same time, if you're able to prove that you can get into a situation where, you know, you're in triple overtime, you, you know, that, that takes a lot of mental fortitude to be going to kind of continue your momentum, playing hard, playing well for the rest of your teammates and kind of have everyone all together doing the same thing. Same deal with the DePaul game. Like, you know, DePaul, like they're not going to make March Madness. They're going to, but they won the game. It was close. They had some fun. So I think that that's, really like that shows that you as a team you are tested and you're able to bounce back and 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 stay consistent with the results that you're having despite facing some adversity right i mean we talk about that all the time in any sport right like the patriots never really face adversity like when they were kind of making their you know the super bowl runs and everything like that but belichick is the one thing that he would say always say in those interviews was we need to face adversity and so he would always you know keep his team you know on their toes and and basically never really congratulate them because he's like you know we still got work to do we can't get complacent and so i think that's kind of the 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 basis of my argument here is like you need to build adversity. You need to build resiliency by facing adversity. And I think Providence has done a lot of that. They've shown that they can win and they've done a good job in the games that they kind of, you know, maybe didn't look so good in. Um, and so I think that that's kind of, that that's my overall point here in terms of their kind of them faring in the Big East tournament, as well as March Madness. I think they'll probably go pretty far in the Big East tournament. I don't know that they'll necessarily win it. Um, obviously, Villanova's the, the biggest, their biggest competition uh, to win it. But there's also some good teams in the Big East that haven't really gotten a ton of name recognition so far this season. Um, you know, you have teams like Marquette, Butler, Creighton, yeah. like all these teams that are kind of just, you don't really think about as being, because Seton Hall has had a good season. Um, you know, these teams that aren't necessarily always kind of at the top of the rankings, but are always good solid consistent teams within the big east so that's kind of my view on it is i honestly think that providence is probably going to do better in march madness than they do in the biggest tournament where you can kind of you know you can kind of see like right now they're probably on maybe i think in terms of like projecting their seed i think they're like maybe a three or a four seed which is pretty high but then you know think about it. if they get knocked out in the first or second round of the biggest tournament they're going to probably drop down to maybe a five or a six seed but i think that honestly puts them in a position where they can kind of even do some more damage because not only are people doubting them, you know, you say, Oh, you got an early exit from from your conference tournament. You know, you, you haven't really proven that you're able to win these games and win consistently and, and, you know, and win by big margins. Well, yeah, at the same time though, they have won the games they needed to win. And I think that can continue, especially, you know, when you're a six seed facing the 11 seed and, you know, the 11 seeds are always tough. Well, you know, if you're in those close games, if you're used to being in close games and, and, and pulling out a win, that's that's a good recipe for success going forward. So that's kind of my, uh, you know, my outlook on, on Providence is that, you know, yes, they've been a little disappointing, but nonetheless, they've won the games. And that type of mentality, that type of, you know, facing adversity, being tested and still coming out on top and having the mindset that you need to win the game anyway and actually being able to execute it, I think bodes well for any team going into the conference tournament as well as March Madness. Yeah, I think you're right. And I I had thought about that for a little bit, but then I was also thinking like, you know, it in terms of just chances of being beaten in that situation, it's it's a lot more than, you know, losing an, a game that you're up like 20 in. So that's that's kind of where my argument was coming from is like, you know, yeah, they're good in that situation and they're 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 good under pressure and they know that they can you know, stick with teams when when the when the game is close, but when it comes down to like 
if, you know, just any game in general, if it's within three points, as opposed to like within 15, then, you know, you're obviously going to pick the, the, the game that's, that, that has like a 15 point margin there rather than a a three point margin. So I, I don't know. It's just, I think they seem a little bit more faulty to me. Obviously, I Matt and I kind of disagree here. I don't know if I'm going to be that high on them in the tournament. Again, it kind of all depends on how they do in the Big East tournament because if they go far in that, and obviously if they win that, that'll be like huge for them. That'll that'll definitely show me that I'm wrong. But um, but yeah, I mean they've got Creighton. And I think, I think, well, so just to cut you off, sorry, but I think a good kind of comparison of a team that's on the opposite end of the spectrum and usually is, it's Gonzaga, right? Like yeah. they're number one in the country. They always are. They don't lose a conference game. They don't lose in the conference tournament and they blow all the teams out by 30 points. And so they're always the number one overall seed going into March Madness. And okay. Last year they made it to the championship game. They also made it to the championship game in 2017, but like they've been a one seed every year since then. And they've had some really disappointing results at the, like the, first weekend of March Madness, right? Not even, not even getting past the, the eight, nine seed matchup where they're, you know, they're playing a, a way worse team than them. And I think that the reason for that, and I mean, it's, it's not groundbreaking news here. It's not, it's not a hot take by any means. That's what pretty much everyone says. You don't face any competition during the regular season. You get to March Madness against some teams who are, you know, power five teams who may not have just gotten as many wins. Well, you're going to face some struggles against them because you're just not used to that level of competition. So yes, a team like Gonzaga is going to be blowing out all their opponents all the time, but like, when they're not used to being in those close games and having the mindset of, okay, I need to, I need, we need to focus and we need to win and we need to get through this. We need to, you know, push through the adversity that we're facing right now. Gonzaga doesn't face any adversity. And then by the time that they do, they're not able to close out the game. And that's why I think that, you know, from, from a, from a perspective of kind of looking at Providence positively, I think that's kind of how that's something that that can benefit them again, who knows what's going to actually happen. And, And right. As Hayden said, like, if you're not really winning these games that you're supposed to by a ton, like a, like a DePaul, you're supposed to, you know, they were favored by probably like 13 points or 15 points and they, they only won by one. So it's like, to some extent you are kind of, uh, you know, I, I would say a little bit kind of, you know, your, your success is not bound by the strength of your play as much as it should be because right. You should be kind of blowing these teams out. So when your results are a little bit disappointing in that way, I can see where people are kind of, you know, having a disappointing feeling about kind of how they can progress. But I think that, you know, in comparison to how like the team is gelled and, and the willingness to win, I would much have much rather team of have a team that's faced adversity, gotten through it, you know, rather than a team like Gonzaga who like, they know they're going to blow their teams out, their opponents out by 30 points every game. And then, you know, they might get to the, they, they might go far in March Madness because they get the number one overall seed and they're playing relatively easier teams. But like, if you don't face adversity, you don't know how to deal with it when you get there. Yeah. And the other thing about, that about Providence that I kind of want to bring up here is that they, I think they really have to keep games close because if, like I said, I mean, I've mentioned the the Rutgers loss that was 32 points or something like that. And then, um, and then the other team that they lost to really big time, like they, if they fall, you know, if, if they fall to a, a, a big deficit early, then they can't really bring it back. And obviously they kind of just dwindle out for, for the rest of the game and they don't, you know, I don't know if they stop trying, but they don't, they just don't really put up a fight for the rest of the game um, as, as what happened in those games showed. So I think that's another thing is like in March madness, a lot of, I mean, pretty much every single game is, is close, you know, no matter like who's playing um, unless you're a one seed against a 16 seed, but yeah, like pretty much every, every game from I'd say the six, the sweet 16 and on is, is pretty close. And so if that's where we're expecting them to get to the sweet 16, which I don't think is that 
high of a task for them, especially if they're, you know, the three or four seed, like Matt said, if, if that's like where we're expecting them to go, then, you know, obviously that's kind of their time to shine because a lot of those games are close. And so that's kind of where, I guess that's kind of where Matt, Matt's arguments, Matt's argument wins here is like in those types of games. Yeah. They're, they're going to be ready for that. And they've had experience all season being in that situation because they, whenever they win, they win by like less than five points. So it's um, yeah, it's, it, it was just interesting to kind of look at, at Providence. Cause we, I, I feel like we haven't, I, th- I feel like we've had some of these teams in past years that are, are very, are very much so like winning close games, never really have a huge blowout win, but they're somehow just really good. And I, f- I feel like those teams do turn out to be pretty good in the tournament. So I like, I like what Matt said there, but I just still, I, I feel like, I don't know, it's just kind of like an intuition thing or like a little, a little gut feeling that it might not t- uh, turn out too well for them in the tournament. But I mean, we'll see again, I'm, I'm really excited for the Big East tournament really excited for, you know, to, to, to see what happens in that. And I, I think the big East is like one of those conferences that a lot of people don't really think about, but, and I mean, in, in college basketball, it's like, they're usually pretty good. Um, and, and, and Providence still has Creighton and Villanova coming up. They're playing at Villanova uh, uh, t- next to, or this coming Tuesday. And then today, actually tonight they're playing Creighton. So, and they're playing Creighton at home. So we'll see, we'll see what happens there. I think these two these two games will will definitely kind of dictate um, how how they feel going into the Big East tournament. But yeah, so uh, so moving on to NBA here, I'll, I'll turn it over to Matt. So as I mentioned in the in the uh, in the open, there we definitely glossed over the NBA All Star Weekend, which happened a week ago, uh, you know, last weekend, and then we kind of didn't really even mention it on the Tuesday episode, but. It happened, right? We had the skills competition with the, and it's, it's confusing because they've like added more events, but it's like, they, they don't really say what it is. Like the skills competition just used to be like, you run around, you run like a circuit and whoever finishes at the fastest, they like win. But there was like different teams that were all competing with different guys in the skills competition. It was a little, it was a little strange uh, in in that sense. Um, But then obviously you had the dunk contest, you had the three point contest and you had the, the, you know, the all-star game itself on Sunday night. so I, I think kind of here, we're just going to discuss our thoughts a little bit about, you know, each of these, each of these kind of situations. And then, you know, kind of, obviously it's not, it's not, it's a, it's, it's not a little known fact that, you know, the all-star weekend has, I, I think significantly decreased in its excitement value, its media attention, its watchability, all that stuff. Um, I mean, I, I remember when I was, you know, I mean, a while ago, probably, you know, seven or eight years ago at this point, but like, I didn't even really follow the NBA, but I was like, I need to see the three-point contest and the dunk contest because it was so exciting. And it just isn't really like that anymore. And I think that the main reason for that is because the guys who would be the best dunkers and three-point shooters aren't participating in these events. So like when you have, I mean, obviously LeBron has never done it. And so he's kind of like, I mean, that's, that's kind of like its own thing, right? Like that's just, it's underwhelming that he's never done it because I think he would be great at it, but like, that's just kind of been his thing from the beginning. But over the years, more and more players, good players, good dunkers um, have just kind of taken LeBron's same position on this, which is like, I don't really want to, you know, and and that may be just because they don't, you know, they want to get extra vacation time or, you know, they don't want to mess up. I think that's actually a big thing for a lot of guys is like fear of almost, almost fear of embarrassment where like, if you mess up or you're not able to complete a dunk, then it's like you're thought of 
as, as an NBA player in terms of your skills and talent based on like how you do in the dunk contest, which is obviously like Hayden shaking his head. And I agree. Like yeah. that's, that's stupid. stupid. Um, but like, you know, th- it's still, you're on a very public stage and, and you, you know, you kind of are, are subject to the scrutiny there, but yeah, it's essentially just been like, so the, the one dunk contest that I think that everybody's kind of pointing back to just in the content that I was, uh, you know, that I was, uh, you know, kind of receiving this past week was the 2016 one with Zach Levine and Aaron Gordon, where like they just traded dunks and it was amazing. And the, the highlight reel and the, the things that they were doing, you know, were crazy. And I think that was kind of like after a, a, a little bit of a hiatus, I would say, in terms of like the watchability and skills and talent that were represented in the dunk contest. As I mentioned, you know, the... I think before that, it was probably like, you know, when Dwight Howard was going crazy and Nate Robinson, but that was back in like 2010, man. Like that was a long time ago. So then you had this like random year in 2016 where these guys popped up out of nowhere and and just made a name for themselves. And obviously since then, like Zach Levine is one of the, you know, probably top 15 player in the NBA right now, Aaron Gordon, you know, he's faced some injuries and whatnot, but like, he's been a good role player, um, you know, in the, in the teams that he's been on since then. So like, that's kind of the thing here is, is, you know, at the end of the day, these guys were really kind of, they came out of nowhere, but the competition level was so good that it didn't matter who was participating. And so that's kind of where I want to make my second point is that, yes, it would be nice to have guys like LeBron and Giannis and these guys who are super, you know, uber talented compete in the dunk contest. But we've seen that in the past, there's been dunk contests that didn't feature these types of guys that were still, you know, crazy dunks, you know, like a ton of like all the videos were going crazy. Everybody was watching it. Like it was awesome. I, and I didn't, I mean, I didn't, I watched like some of the highlights of this one, but like the quality of the dunks and just everything that was involved in this year's dunk contest just proved to me that like, these guys aren't even really that good. And I don't know why that they're like kind of finding random people to do it. I guess it's just kind of whoever volunteers at this point, but since so many guys are just kind of saying no to it, but it's like, these guys were just standing out there. They have like 30 seconds to make a dunk and they missed like seven times in a row. And so it's like, yeah, there is the aspect of like, you don't want to do a bad or like a, like a mediocre dunk where you're just kind of doing like a windmill. Cause like, Oh, everyone can do a windmill. So like you want to do something like crazy and spectacular, but it's like, at the same time, we also want to see a completed dunk because that's the point of the dunk contest. And if you go out there and you have, you know, eight tries or something, you can't make it. Well, not only do you look bad and your score is bad and you're not going to win the dunk contest, but that, that just completely takes the viewership out of it. Right. It's not, it's not entertaining to watch anymore. And these guys are just trying to throw up these, you know, off the backboard through the legs. Like you're not going to be able to do that. So, you know, okay, fine. And, and, and so maybe kind of going back to the Zach Levine, Aaron Gordon thing in 2016, like, they just kind of maybe got lucky and were able to convert on a lot of these dunks that were really tough to do. And it looked awesome. And it was just like, you know, kind of a unicorn dunk contest, but I don't know. just like, from what I've seen, it just is not it, it like the competition level is not there. The entertainment level is not there. And that's kind of my reason. Also, Michigan State and Purdue were just tied and Michigan State just did a three basically at the buzzer to, to, to win it. And Purdue is going to go down. They're number four. Um, Michigan State's unranked, by the way. So anyway, you'll hear about that uh, probably on Monday when the rankings come out because Purdue's going to go down now. Anyway, um, yeah, but basically that's kind of my thoughts on the dunk contest. In terms of three-point contest, um, you know, maybe Hayden can talk about a little bit more about this. Obviously, it was a surprise that Carl Anthony Towns won, um, but just kind of going into the like the deep scientific roots of this it's actually really cool kind of what people have been saying about how like you know shooters like Steph Curry and these guys who are you know who are guards they it takes so much effort for them to like 
do a full like jump, like knees down, like jump in the air, let the ball go. Whereas Carl Anthony Towns, just because of his center of gravity is so much higher and he's just so tall and so big, he doesn't even really have to jump. And so he can just kind of, he, he can just roll the ball over and over again, uh, you know, and then just, and just go on a super great streak like that. But I just think that nobody would have ever really expected someone like that to win, which was, I think a positive story coming out of the, coming out of the, um, you know, the all-star all weekend is that we kind of had the dunk contest was a little underwhelming, but the three point contest was really surprising, entertaining. And, and, you know, and we, we saw a bunch of guys participate, but then again, it's like there were the other guys he was facing like, yeah, Trey Young was there, but it was like Fred Van Fleet. And like, I don't even really know anybody Luke else. Because, yeah. And it's like, yeah. you know, these guys, yeah, they're, they're great three point shooters, but they're not like the best in the NBA. So like when you had, you know, when you had like Kyle Corver and Stephen Curry and, and, and Clay Thompson competing in these things, like that was when the, the entertainment value was kind of at peak efficiency, but now you kind of have these, not as popular three-point shooters and they're participating. And so, yeah, it was good to see Carl Anthony Towns win, but like, right. You know, if Fred Van Fleet had won, like had, would there have been made a big deal out of it? Probably not. Like, yeah, he's an undrafted player and like one of the only ones to get the super max deal or whatever. Um, and obviously, you know, Wichita state, like, you know, we loved watching him in college and everything. Like he's, he's a great story and a great player, but it's like, if he had won, it would have just been like, okay, the dunk contest is over. Okay. The three point dunk contest is over and the all-star game is over now too. So, okay, let's move on. You know? So it's like, I think those are kind of my thoughts. It's like behind why the entertainment value and just like the viewership and everything is just going down. It just seems like a more and more unsuccessful uh, product really to just show on TV and everything like that. So, um, so Hayden, what do you think? Yeah. Well, first of all, I think the skills competition is like actually really overlooked. I never, whenever I think of all-star weekend, I, I never really think about the skills competition. I really only think about, yeah, the, the, the big three, the three point contest, the dunk contest, and obviously the all-star game, but yeah, I, I like the skills competition, the new format of the skills competition, in my opinion was, I think it was pretty good. I don't know. A lot of people criticized it, but I thought it was kind of cool to kind of see like the guys working together. I didn't think that it was cool that they did the three onto the Kumbo brothers like that they could have done something better than that. I mean, yeah. Like if you include Giannis, obviously it's going to attract attention, but I mean, his two brother, like his, his other brother is on the bucks. I'm pretty sure. And then like his younger, even younger brother is, I don't even know. Like, I think he's in the NBA. I don't even know if he's in the NBA. Like he used to play for the Lakers. I don't know. I like, I know like as of like two years ago, he did like, I think he won. I think that was the funny thing is that he won the championship in 2020 in the bubble with the Lakers. So like the youngest brother who like never plays any minutes got a championship yeah. before Giannis did. And like, obviously Giannis did last year, but yeah, I don't know if he's still in the Lakers or not, but yeah. So I agree though. It's kind of weird how they were like a team, but it's like, they're not necessarily the most skilled NBA yeah. players when it comes to like driving, you know, dribbling, shooting, passing, like speed and all that stuff so yeah and then it just happened that the Cavaliers won it or like the the, the big three from the Cavaliers won it so that was kind of cool I don't know I at first I was kind of thinking in my head like oh this this kind of sucks like why they do this but then I thought about it and I was like okay it's kind of more fun to see these guys do it together and kind of work together to to win it rather than just Ben Simmons like running down the I think that's that's all I remember from the first skills competition I ever watched was like Ben Simmons was just running down the court dribbling and that's all I think of when I think of skills competition so yeah like more rather than a single guy doing it I think I'd rather have teams in the future do that in terms of the three-point contest I, I thought the three-point contest was the best part of of all-star weekend like Matt said I mean it's it's awesome to see a guy like like Carl Anthony Towns win it I thought that like the competition was competition was all right I mean I Luke Kennard, I think, won the first – I think he won, like, the first round. Um, and then he went on – or maybe – no, maybe he did – I don't know. I, I kind of forget. 
Um, but yeah, but then Carl Anthony Towns like just blew everybody out in the in the um, in the second round, which was kind of cool to see. It, it, the funny thing about the three point contest, though, and Matt kind of alluded to this with Steph Curry, is that um, I think it was like I think it was the intermission between because the the skill the skills competition is is that done the day before like the day before the three point contest and the dunk contest or no yeah, no it's it's all sure, it's on the I, same day right I actually yeah you would probably know but I know I, I know think, that the dunk contest and the three point contest are on the same day they're both on yeah. Saturday and then the actual All Star game is on is on Sunday but yeah I don't know when the skills competition is yeah I think I think the skills competition is like before the three point contest as well. So the funny thing is that before it was like the intermission between the, the skills competition and the three point contest, they do like a, they did this, like this little presentation. And the funny thing was that it was actually Steph Curry and his wife, Aisha Curry. And they were like presenting their new game show or their new like show or whatever. Like Steph Curry had a, a golf game show back in, I don't know, probably like a, a year or two ago, but then I, I think that kind of dwindled down. And so he's, he's making another game show, I think where he's the host. And so is his, his wife or something like that. And it's funny. Cause like when he got announced, cause at first it was only his wife that was up there kind of presenting it. But then when he got announced and he came on stage, everybody started booing because they knew that he wasn't in the three point contest. And so he was like, everybody started booing. Cause they were like, why are you out here presenting your game show instead of in the three point contest where you can actually like make it so much more entertaining. It was, it was kind of funny. And I, I kind of agree with them. It's like, dude, like you're an NBA player and you're presenting a game show that has nothing to do with the NBA and you could be in the three point contest, which is happening tonight. And you're just not, it's like, that was, that was funny to me, but yeah. And then, and then the dunk contest too, dude, it's, it's literally so bad at this point. Like I, I saw this kind of not theory, but this kind of like, suggestion on on instagram and it was like dude there's there's a lot of these um i don't even know like amateur dunkers i guess you could say like the guys that are really short and but they they do a bunch of like really sick dunk videos on on instagram and tiktok and stuff put those guys in the dunk contest dude like those guys would be more entertaining because they like there there is there's such thing as like professional dunkers that literally go to dunk competitions i've watched them on youtube before like it's a real thing and they go to dunk competitions and they do i mean they're just outrageous. Like the stuff that they do is just insane. And it's better than, I mean, probably not better than Aaron Gordon and Zach Levine. That was the best dunk contest ever. In my opinion, dude, that was just like that Aaron Gordon dunk over the mascot where he like, he put both of his, or he, he went over the mascot with both of his legs and like sat down basically on, on the mascot's head. That, that dunk, I think is still the best dunk I've ever seen, but yeah, like those get the amateur dunkers out there and, and get them to dunk. I saw one this morning and it's like, it's just this guy who's like, I don't know. He's probably like six foot two and that's kind of short to be able to, to do like really crazy dunks. But I mean, he, but he was, he was doing like these crazy, these like throw it off the backboard, like tap it off the backboard again, and then like spin around with your other hand and dunk it. It was insane. Like the stuff that he was doing, it was so complicated, but he was doing it. And so, yeah, I mean, I guess you can kind of say, well, like how many tries is it taking him to do that? Cause they don't, cause the dunk contest, you only get a, a certain amount of tries, but like Matt said, like the, um, it was Jalen Green. I remember he he had I think he he tried his dunk like eight times because technically an attempt at a dunk in the dunk contest is only if you like is only if you hit the rim. So if if the ball like falls out of your hands while you're putting it through your legs or while, you're, you know, while you're going around the back or whatever, if the ball falls out, then like if you don't even really attempt to put it in, through the net, then it doesn't even count as an attempt. And so like 
you get three attempts, but you can fail as many times as you want, as long as you don't hit the, hit the rim with the ball. So that's, that's where Jalen green was like, everybody was like getting so mad at him because he, I mean, he wasn't, he, he wasn't like controlling the the ball when he was putting it through his legs. And so he just had like, a, in like infinite attempts. And so that's where I was just, I, I think that kind of, um, that kind of like lowered the morale of the whole dunk contest, in my opinion, because I was in the first round too. So, yeah, I mean, Obi Toppin, I think had like one dunk that was pretty cool, but th- there was another one. I think it was, I think it was Juan Toscano Anderson, who again, like, who is that? But, uh, but yeah, I think he had a dunk that, and he called like Andrew Wiggins off the floor and, and he, and he told him to, you know, stand in front of the basket and he just jumped over Andrew, Andrew Wiggins, who is, yeah, he's six, seven, but I think Juan Toscano Anderson is pretty tall too. And it's, it's like, dude, Nate Robinson, like, I don't know, six or seven years ago, jumped over Dwight Howard and Nate, Nate Robinson's like 5'10 and Dwight Howard's 6'11 or seven foot. It's like, dude, and everybody's going crazy. Everybody's like, oh, that was a sweet dunk. And I'm like, dude, no, like Nate Robinson literally jumped over somebody that was that's six inches taller than Andrew Wiggins. And he's like six inches shorter than the guy that that, that, that did it this year. So I don't know. It's yeah, it's just evolved like so much or it's, it's, it's evolved downwards so much to the point where it's just like, you, you might as well just get guys off the street that can dunk and that can do cooler dunks than these guys. Well, so. and I actually like that idea. That's something that I read in a bunch of like articles and stuff this, this week that was like, you know, how do we fix the dunk contest? That was one of the ideas was like, yo, let's just make this like American idol go like, just get contestants to just like, you know, sign up and, and do trials and stuff and pick the best ones. And then kind of like narrow down your, you know, your, your competition, your, your like your amount of contestants or whatever. Yeah. Um, and then just have them like 10 of them just compete in the dunk contest and it's right it's just like that way too like you know right you're you're getting more exposure to other people who like you know obviously aren't nba players and so not getting paid millions of dollars like hey if they could just make a commercial out of it or you know get some type of brand deal or or even just if you offer up a bunch of money for them to win the contest like you know you're changing someone's life at the end of the day um and then too like yeah like hayden said honestly those dunks are way cooler than we're seeing you know with the with these nba players do and obviously the nba players are taller more athletic and, and so thus kind of able to to produce the the types of things that we've seen in the past but like yeah if these guys are out here doing it, like give them a chance and actually put, you know, give them a stage and, and and you, we can probably see some, some really great stuff happen. Um, And I think that, you know, like at the end of the day, like, yeah, sure. It's an NBA product. So you'd have to get some type of, but like, I, it would just be way more, I think it would just be way more, uh, you know, just, just way more entertaining that way. I think three point contests is probably still have to keep the NBA players just cause like, it's kind of like, since the NBA is so three point driven these days, it's like, who can, you know, come out on top, like, you know, whatever. And cause the point is like, Right. Obviously, Carlton Towns won and like he's shooting 40 percent from three this year. Like I didn't even know that, you know, so that's yeah. something that comes out of there that you're like, wow, like these guys are actually legit. And obviously, like we knew Obi Toppin could dunk like, you know, he had like he did a like a but he did a windmill between the leg or no, a 360 between the legs in the middle of a game when he played at date when he, in college, when he played at Dayton. Like, come on. Yeah. So, so it's like, yes, we know that Obi Toppin can dunk, but it's like at the same time, like, yeah, like, let's just I don't know. I think it's just. I'm saying like, let's bring this back to what it was, you know, 10 years ago. I don't think it's ever really going to get there. And so, but although I think what happens a lot of times though, with this type of stuff, is it like when the leagues hear that the fans are upset about something, they usually do something about it. And so I'm thinking that hopefully next year they either get legit, you know, NBA players who can really, you know, complete their dunks and make it really entertaining, or, you know, they go to sort of a hybrid system where you have like, you know, 
maybe some random people off the streets, maybe some NBA player, you know, whatever. So I think that's kind of the, uh, that's kind of what, what I guess what the thing here is. Um, yeah. And I, I think another thing here to kind of say, well, th- this is just my opinion too, but it's like, I think the dunk contest also is, has turned into more of like a, a show of props rather than cool dunks. Like um, what's his name? Um, dang it. Cole Anthony. He was, I think he was the first dunk and he like, he put on, he put on Timberlands, like the Timberland boots. And, he, and then he, he had a he had a New York Knicks jersey on with Anthony on, on the back. And it's like it's him, but he doesn't play for the Knicks. And so everybody was confused. It's like, OK, yeah, it's it's in uh, it was in New York, right? The yeah, it was. right. It was in Cleveland. Oh, yeah, it was in Cleveland. Yeah. So like but oh, but he OK, yeah, he was doing the New York thing because like the Tims are kind of a, a I don't know, a symbol of New York. Yeah. So it's just like he was trying to get that whole New York vibe going because I guess he's from New York too, but it's just like, dude, you put Tim's on. And so obviously you can't jump as high. He still did a pretty cool. I think it was like a windmill off the, off the backboard or something, but it's, it still just wasn't even as cool. It's just like, yeah, you've got Tim's on and like, yeah, you look kind of cool. And it's kind of like you're in NBA 2k where you can dress your, your, my player up as anything you want. They can still like, dunk out of their shoes but it's like in real life it's not really like that so why don't you just keep your basketball shoes on and do a cool dunk rather than like making it props and then Jalen Green had the same thing he had like the chain with his with like a phone on it and it had it had his highlights on the phone like playing on the phone and then he gave it to one of the judges I think it was uh I think it was no I I think it was like Dr. J or something like that it's like why are you doing this? Like, nobody really cares. It's just like, just go out there, do your dunk. If you do something cool, it's get, like, it's going to get a good reaction. I mean, I don't know. I, I think they, I think they've made it into more of like a spectacle rather than, rather than or a spectacle of, of, I don't know. Um, a spectacle of props, I guess is, is the best way I can put it rather than like a spectacle of actual talent and, and athleticism. So, yeah. Okay, so moving on to the last topic of the day, it's uh, golf related. So we have to address this Phil Mickelson thing. Um, obviously, it, it happened. If you didn't know what happened, I'll kind of give a brief explanation. There's some politics involved. We're not going to get super deep into that stuff. But and I'm going to very much paraphrase what Phil Mickelson said. But essentially, here's the deal. All right. So there's the the Saudi Arabian government is basically trying to create a rival golf league called the super golf league um which essentially pays they're they're going to pay the players who who participate in this golf league exorbitant amounts of money just to participate and then obviously also pay you know the guys who win more and whatever um and so that's kind of the that's kind of the deal here is they were like you know they were pitching it to bryson and and, you know and, and dustin johnson and all these all these famous golfers to essentially just get and their argument here which i i don't know i and we can talk about it a little bit more too but it's like the argument here is like if you have like 30 of the best players in the world you would much rather follow that a league of like of that nature than like random 120 guy fields on you know on a, on a sunday in you know in Ponte Vedra beach right so like if you have this type of like extreme league with these, with these elite players and they're all making, they're all happy to, to do it because they're making a ton of money. Um, then like the entertainment value, the, you know, the, 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 the skills, the talent, like all that goes up. And so it's like actually creates a good product. Um, and so that was kind that's kind of like what was going, what's been boiling up behind the scenes for the past like few weeks, honestly. Um, and so 
like like I said, basically they're they're pitching it to all the you know the, the top golfers in the world and whatever. And kind of these golfers are kind of saying for the last few weeks at least, you know, kind of they were a little bit wishy washy. They're going back and forth. Like you know, some of them were like Dustin Johnson, Xander Shoffley. They were like, yeah, we like we might do it. Um, you know, they expressed some interest in it because at the end of the day. Right. If you get offered, you know, nine figures to just participate in a golf event, like you're going to do that. Right. Like not not just because you're a greedy, you know, famous pampered athlete, uh, you know, and you want as much money as possible. But just like in terms of like making sure your family's good, like, you know, your generations of generations of grandkids and stuff like will be able to live off of this type of money. Like that's that's the end goal here. Right. For I think for a lot of these guys. Um, and so. The way that it was happening, though, is that a lot of these guys who expressed interest were were almost saying we're almost beating around the bush and giving all these other reasons as to why they were thinking about it and considering it besides the money. Right. So some people were going out there and saying, oh, well, you know, like there there are some things that need to be fixed on the PGA Tour or, you know, I I I think that, you know, they're the way that they're going to run the league is, is pretty good. The rotation they'll have is good. But it's like they're just giving excuses because they just want to get paid more. Right. And so that was kind of my position at first is like, it's totally fine for you to want to go and and make a lot of money. I'm like, I'm not going to tell you how to live your life. Like if I had the opportunity to go make nine figures just to participate in a golf event, I would a hundred percent do so, but I wouldn't, well, I, I might just to follow the crowd, but like, and not put my neck on the line, like Phil Lucasen did, because now he's obviously, you know, in some deep trouble here, but like, like at least just say like, Hey, we want to build generational wealth here. And that's the reason I'm going over is strictly for the money and that's it. Right. But it's like, if you're going to hide behind your, your other kind of like BS excuses, like that's not, I don't know that that just kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Anyway, what happened with Phil Nicholson was basically he was being asked about the, the super golf league run by, you know, the, the, the Saudi Arabian government. And essentially I'm going to paraphrase here, but Phil Nicholson essentially just said, um, yeah, I know that the Saudi Arabian government was responsible for like these horrible regimes that have literally, you know, slaughtered people and and killed however many countless people, beheaded people, all this stuff. But like, I think this could be good to change some stuff on the PGA tour. So I'll just go and do it. And it's like, dude, why? Come on. Like, what are we, why would you say? So uh, anyway, apparently after the fact, when he started to actually catch some fire for it, he goes out and he's like, Oh, well, I, I thought I was off the record. And at first, I'm like, dude, that's complete. That You're just, no, there's no way. Like, you yeah. just are, you're trying to cover up your track. But then I thought about it. I'm like, dude, the stuff that he actually said, like, pro- he probably did think that he was off the record. Because, like, you would just, you wouldn't, like, if a, if a like, if an actual, you know, if, if CBS comes up and is interviewing you, like, you're not just going to say that. Because, obviously, he's lasted this long as, you know, as a tenured PGA pro. And he's, his net worth is, like, almost half a billion at this point. So, he's, like, he hasn't gotten this far just by, like, being this raging, like, you know, con- contrarian person who's like saying all this random stuff like he's he's a civilized human being but i think that he generally he genuinely thought he was off the record anyway regardless you can't say this type of stuff okay like just because you're that's just it's insensitive it's ignorant it's everything and it's like on top of that you're already famous enough and you already have so much money and you only want more so that was what happened here again we don't want to focus on kind of what he said and how bad it was because yes it was terrible and and so that's that's kind of you know that that's really the end of it there's there's no there's no argument there's no hot takes over whether or not you know he shouldn't have said that um but i think instead i kind of want to focus on what this kind of super golf league entailed, what it could have been. I described kind of the background, the brief kind of, you know, like what they were kind of trying to make it into. But like, I think, I think that the, despite kind of the the politics behind it, 
it did address in the way that it was going to be run. It addressed some holes in the PGA. And so I kind of wanted to do a little bit of, you know, think of some possible solutions that we could kind of like, you know, the holes that we can address with this super golf league, how can the PGA address this going forward? Because the commissioner of the PGA came out and was like, you know, we denounce all this stuff that, you know, that's been happening as he should have said. Um, but he was basically like, you know, I know the Saudi league is basically trying to, you know, undermine what the PGA does, but like, we're not going to shift our, our, you know, our sensibilities on any of this stuff. And it's like, well, okay, but you could, you were like one bad Phil Mickelson take away from like actually possibly losing the best players to this other tour. That's like not even started up yet. So, so I'm going to give Hayden the floor here, just kind of talk through what he thinks about the super golf league and then maybe how, the, the, the validity of kind of what they were trying to do with this, as well as kind of maybe how the PGA tour could change some things to not, not, not just make things more interesting, because I think that, you know, if you're going to follow golf, you're going to follow golf, like point blank period, but like maybe what their possibilities are besides just like the kind of the randomness that we have that exists every week on the PGA tour during the regular season. Yeah. So I read up a little bit on this, this super golf league thing, especially cause you know, in, in light of this Phil Mickelson situation, because he, like Matt said, he was kind of, he made these comments, but he was kind of in favor of it. And then everybody was like, well, why would you make these comments? Because you've basically just like undermined their, you know, their, you've, you basically just like insulted them and you've insulted like the whole middle East, I guess at this point. So that, yeah, that, that was, that's ridiculous. And I, I might have some comments later on that, but I think that, yeah, one thing that the that the Super Golf League wants to do, like Matt said, was was kind of help the players uh, kind of, I guess, move away from from the things that the PGA, the bad things that the PGA not does to their does to their golfers, but kind of like the things that the, the PGA takes away from their golfers. And one of those things I read about was was actually like what they can what they can and can't say in the media. And they, they get they like have a lot of media restrictions on the golfers which I think is, and Matt brought up this, this kind of phenomenon earlier where he said that like a lot of the golfers have kind of expressed, expressed their, their concerns with the PGA and, and, and how, you know, some, some things that they don't like about the PGA, but they've kind of done, done it in like a little bit of a soft way. And that's kind of what Matt was getting at. But I think one of the reasons is because the PGA does regulate what their golfers say on, you know, on the internet and in, in the media and everything like that, and kind of regulate like how much media attention they get. And that's one of the things I think that, that the super golf league is, is looking to do is kind of just say, okay, well, we're going to give you all this money on top of the fact that like, you can, you can do whatever you want with your lives. Like we don't really care. It's, it's, it's almost like the super golf league is almost playing like the, like the fun uncle. It's just like, you can do whatever you, you know, the cool uncle, you can do whatever you want we'll take you away from like your, you know, your, your really strict parents and you can just do whatever you want with us and you can make a lot of money and I'm going to be the coolest person you've ever met. That's what I, I don't know. That that's my analogy. I think that's pretty, pretty good analogy there, but yeah, I think that that's really my, my only thoughts on the, the super golf league. And it's, I, I guess Matt kind of covered the rest of it. And it's just like, who doesn't want to make more money and who doesn't want to, who care? Like Phil Mickelson, the comments that Phil Mickelson said, are just outrageous. And he, I, th I think he really painted a bad picture about the whole, you know, Saudi Arabia thing. And he, he really like put that in a bad light. And that's, it's sad that that thing kind of had to happen. But again, like, it's, it's like, dude, you thought that you were off air, but it's like, so what? <laughs> like, you, you just don't say things like that anyway. I mean, I guess like, I don't know. I, I think he was doing an interview. And so it's like, if you're doing an interview, you think that it's not going to be, 
publicized or you think that it, like nothing's going to get out. I don't know. It's just even like in a, in a text message, you wouldn't send that because you know, you're really famous in the, in the golf world. And like, you know, anything you say is going to be, is going to be kind of taken one way or another. So one thing that actually happened to Phil Mickelson was, was the fact that he got, he's lost, I think like, like four sponsors or four partnerships so far. And um, Callaway just actually like, um, stepped away from, from partnering with him, I think either this morning or like late last night or something like that. So yeah. And that, that he was like sponsored by Callaway and used Callaway clubs and everything like that. So Cal, I mean, since Callaway has gone, like <laughs> he's pretty much left, left with nothing at this point. There's another, I, I think it was like a banking company or something that, that sponsored him that, um, and they're, they were huge and they ABMG, stepped away from, it's like a big consulting company. Yeah. 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 It was that, yeah. They stepped away as well. So that, you know, he's, left with nothing there too. So yeah, I mean, at this point, like, and I mean, Phil hasn't even competed really recently at all. You know, like the last time we, the last time I, I heard of him was at the PGA championship when he won last year. And so it's like, ever since then, he just, he's been Phil Mickelson. He's, you know, I th- Oh, I actually, it was like the round after the PGA championship last year that he went like 10 over in the, in like, on like the first day. <laughs> it's like, dude, yeah, like that kind of just sums up what Phil Mickelson is at this point. Um, and, you know, he's I don't know. He like there's so many mixed things about him in the media. Like a lot of say, a lot of people say that he's just like the stuck up guy who is a little bit standoffish to fans, which is understandable. You know, you know, you're a really famous golfer. That kind of happens with as you gain fame. But then again, like he's he has been kind of painted as this like, you know, not so nice guy. And he kind of just proved that with with his comments that he said about the that he said about the super golf league. But again, I think that I, I kind of have the same stance as Matt here with the super golf league and that I agree with it. Like it's, it's, it's a great thing to do. And we, I think, is this part of like, was the, um, the, the Saudi Arabia tournament that we had like a couple of weeks ago, I forget where it was or like what it was. You, you yeah. talked about it, right? Yeah. So there were two different, tournaments one was in Saudi Arabia the other was in Dubai but that was part of the DP world tour which is it used to be called the Euro tour the European tour which like I mean it's 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 basically just mostly European golfers but like people like so like Brooks Kepka right like he before he got super good and super famous like he was just kind of this up-and-coming golfer but instead of doing like the corn fairy tour and all these like pro-am tournaments in, in the U.S. he went the he like was it he was in the Euro tour and like did really well and then came over to America. So it was like, he kind of got his start over there, which is like, mm-hmm. you wouldn't really think of that. So that's like kind of another option for, for some of these guys, but yeah, so there, there are two separate things. The DP world tour used to be called the Euro tour and it's, that's already an established golf league. But again, like I said, it's not really, it's not associated with the PGA tour, but like a lot of the guys play multiple, like play events, both like in both leagues kind of. So it's yeah. not like, with the with the super golf league that the Saudi was were were thinking of, it was essentially like you're bound to this league. You can't play in the PGA tour, right? So oh, like, okay. yeah, so like right. So you're you're Rory McIlroy, Jordan Speed, like all those guys wouldn't be participating in the majors. Like they wouldn't play the Masters, right? So it's like it could have been really bad for the PGA tour. Yeah. And it's almost like Bill Nickerson like literally basically saved them because like otherwise, mm-hmm. right? You had end up with this crazy scenario. So. Yeah. So, so, so yeah, so that was the DP world tour, but a a lot of the guys played those courses because they were getting 
paid money to do it. So it's kind of like the, the Saudi Arabian government was like, hey, let's utilize these, you know, this tournament in Dubai and Saudi Arabia to, to kind of lure these guys, yeah. pay them a bunch of money to play, even though it's on the DP World Tour. And then we're kind of going to go after them with our own thing called, called, you know, called the Super Golf League. Um, and, and so that's kind of how, how that all started. So there's, it, it's a little confusing because there's basically three golf leagues involved here. Two of them are established and regularly play every week. One of them was kind of fictitious and was going to probably be legit until Phil Mickelson just kind of ruined it for everyone. So that's kind of why it's like, we should talk about it now because like, obviously he messed up on what he said, but this really could have been bad. Like there could have been significant negative implications for the PGA tour about this. And, and one kind of one solution ish, maybe idea that I had was, was almost like, it, it almost sounds like the PGA needs some sort of like players association, right? Like a union yeah. almost, where like these players can at least kind of, when they have problems with the PGA tour or, or whatever is going on, like they can at least have some representation together. But like the difference is like, they're not playing under contracts, right? So like in the NBA and the NFL and stuff, like these guys are bound by contracts. And so with the NBA, you used to, if you were a team, you could pay as you could pay a guy as much money as you wanted to. But then in like the early 2000s, the, the CBA rules changed. And that's where you, that's where you started hearing about the super max contract where like you could only sign a guy to a certain maximum amount of money. That way the players could have more, you know, more independence. They could go some, some other place if they wanted to in the PGA, it's different because like, if you win all the time, you'll get paid really well. I mean, these guys are taking home, you know, multiple millions of dollars just for winning one tournament. If you come in like tied for 17th place, you're still taking home like 200 grand in some of these tournaments. So it's like, you're making way more money than like an average person just in your one week of golf, you know? So it's like, as much as it, as much as it kind of is like, you know, there, there are some problems with the PGA overall, they're paying their guys enough and they're not bound by contracts. So like there's enough fluidity in there to where, and they're also individual athletes where like in, in other sports that need a CBA, like you have teams. So you have like general and offices, like front offices who are like, you know, player personnel, people like all that stuff is not the same as in a kind of an individual sport like golf is. And obviously, right. Like I said, they get paid a lot anyway. So like it may happen, but like, it would take another version of this type of super golf league where like people are just willing to throw tens of millions of dollars at these guys just to participate in the events. And I don't know how quickly that another like opportunity like that is going to come along. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think you're exactly right. And I think that like the DP world tour um, that, that you were talking about and like those, those events that they invited the, the PGA guys to come play in. I think those that was kind of like a little sample of, you know, they were kind of like, hey, here, you know, take this little sample of what we're, you know, what yeah, we'll that's do. Exactly what it was. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Of what we'll do with you and, you know, in the Super World Super Golf Tour or wait, what is it called? Super Golf League. <laughs> Super Golf League. <laughs> the Tour League, like so many different terms in golf. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I think that's exactly right. And uh, and it's it's smart for them to do that kind of thing, because, again, it's just like you're not going to, you're not going to be able to convince guys to come from America, you know, over to Saudi Arabia where they're not used to playing that, you know, they don't really know the courses there. And you're not going to, you're not going to be able to convince those guys to come unless you kind of give them that, that sample of $10 million plus some experience on a course here. So it's just like, yeah, that's, that that was kind of funny, you know, in in the way they did that, but it was smart, like I said. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think that, Again, the, the whole Phil Mickelson thing, it, it, he did kind of save the PGA, which is I, I wonder how the PGA feels about that, because they're probably like, you know, well, this guy puts us sort of in a bad light. But he's you know, it, it's it's a, it's an individual sport. So it's not really like 
you know, you can kind of just cancel Phil Mickelson and be like, okay, well, the PGA tour is still the PGA tour. And there's still a bunch of other guys that are, that are good and play whenever he wants and still get paid. If he wins another PGA championship. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. That's, that's the other thing. It's like, you know, he, that's kind of the awkward thing. It's like, if he starts playing again, then people are going to be like, well, why is he, why is this guy playing again? You know, cause he, he got canceled from everything else. He like, doesn't that, he barely has any sponsorships now. And I don't know. It's, it, it'll be kind of weird. So that's, not, that's honestly like what I'm expi- excited to see is like, if he actually does come back and, and plays in a couple of tournaments uh, here coming up. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's, that's pretty much all we had. I think if unless Hayden has something else to do, um, but, but yeah, I think that, you know, it'll, it'll be interesting to see going forward. I think there's not, you know, it, it's kind of over now with the whole Super Golf League thing. But uh, but yeah, definitely a good episode today. Um, a lot of college basketball stuff. Focus on Providence. Come on now. Nobody's yeah. really talking about Providence. We got uh-huh. Providence up in here. Um, and then obviously All-Star Weekend with the NBA and kind of its successes and lack thereof. Um, so definitely. And, and then the cool thing about that, too, is like next year around this time, we'll revisit it. Right. We'll, we'll look back and we'll say, hey, we did an episode in which a you know 20 minute portion was talking about how bad the NBA all-star weekend was next year. If they change stuff, we'll have, you know, we'll have different opinions on it. So that's, that's kind of the cool thing about, you know, how we'll always be here. So, yeah, so definitely, definitely excited for March Madness. The conference tournaments actually begin this week. So this coming week, but it's, it's like the really small conferences that like only your conference conference champion, like the conference tournament champion um, gets into March Madness. And a lot of them, like, we don't even know. So I think what we're going to do with the conference tournaments and kind of doing our projections there is because I think it starts, most of them start on like next Tuesday. So like Tuesday, the 12th or maybe third, no Thursday, Thursday, the 10th, I think, or something like that. So yeah, I think that sounds on right. our, yeah. So, so not this Tuesday's episode, but next Tuesday's episode, um, we can do a whole, cause that way that by that time, the regular season will be over. All the brackets will be out for the conference tournaments and we can go through, I think probably we'll just do like the power five, um, brackets just kind of give our not necessarily every pick for who's we're going to win it but like who we think can go far who we think can make a run pick some upsets pick some winners um and that one uh and that way then kind of transitioning into you know the very next week which is going to be march madness week um you know we will have our full bracket deep dive of march madness yeah exactly really excited for this this uh march madness coming up i actually like this i'm, I'm happy with with my my kind of determination to follow college basketball this year, because like, as like Matt and I have said, you know, as we hinted to, towards the beginning of the podcast, like we've, we've both been just trying to get into college basketball as much as we can with the, with the NFL season coming to an end. And I actually have been watching like more than, more than I usually do. And I'm actually, I'm actually going to the UVA, uh, UVA Florida state game at four o'clock and it's two forty-five right now. So I got to go and like, 15 minutes, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, that, that's going to be fun to watch. It's actually, it's a, uh, it's Kihei Clark's last like home game, which is kind of cool. Cause he's, I mean, he's been, he's been a staple here at, at UVA. If you don't know who he is, he's like a really short point guard who was a part of the national championship team um, back in 2019, but it's, it's actually his final year. So, so yeah, he'll be, he'll be leaving after this year, which is kind of sad, but I think that we're like, we've, UVA has actually really started to ramp up towards, towards the end of the season. We did, we did uh, lose to Duke um, at Duke or no at, sorry, at home. It was kind of weird, dude. Like we, we beat Duke at Duke and then Duke beat us at when we were at home. It's just kind of, it was like the opposite of what you would expect, but yeah, that was, that was kind of sad, but we stayed with them and it's like, and actually dude, Jay Billis. So this is what I'm jealous of. I had, I had a couple of friends that went to the Duke and UVA game and like I tried to get tickets as well. It's basically like a raffle. If you guys 
don't go to UVA and you guys are wondering, it's, it's like a raffle basically. And if you go to other sports events, so like lacrosse games and football games and, you know, um, volleyball games and not everything like that. If you go to those games, you, you build up like a little, a little, uh, collection of points. And the more points you have basically is like more raffle tickets. And then, so when you, when you request a ticket, cause tickets for students are free to, to basketball, well, to any sporting event. And so, yeah. So basically like when you, when you request a, a ticket to a basketball game, it's like a raffle and you either win and win a ticket or you don't. And so I didn't, I unfortunately did not get the Duke tickets, but Dude, if I would have, that would have been so cool. Because first of all, Coach K, it's like you know, this is his last year. He's kind of doing his little his little tour around the around the country here, and there was like a whole devotion to him. They like gave him a plaque too, like in in UVA Stadium. We gave him, we gave Coach K a plaque, which is pretty cool. And then like Jay Billis was also there, like commentating the game. I, dude, I was, oh my gosh, dude, if I was there, I would have been so happy and like so excited to see all my my favorite guy because Jay Billis is my favorite, my favorite like college basketball analyst slash commentator. So yeah, that, that would have been cool to see, but yeah, it's whatever, but yeah, I'm, I'm excited for the Florida state game today. That'll be cool to see, but yeah, really great episode today. I am also happy with how it turned out. Um, again, coming up next Tuesday, we've, yeah, we've got a lot of stuff to talk about. We also need to start talking about, well, okay. So the combine starts next Thursday, so we can, we'll maybe have a, an episode it's Thursday through I think Sunday or Thursday. Yeah. Yeah. Thursday, Thursday through Sunday. I'm pretty sure. I think it's the third through the sixth. So, um, so yeah, we'll, we'll have kind of like a, a, an episode there on that. Maybe, maybe on Saturday when it's still kind of going on. Um, we may preview a little bit of it on Tuesday, but I don't know about that. So yeah, we'll, we'll get back to you guys on Tuesday. Hope you guys have a great rest of the weekend and we'll see you then.